Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to the Everyday Martial Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is a lifelong martial artist and cybersecurity risk manager. He's trained in numerous styles over the years, including Kempo, Taekwondo, and Jiu-Jitsu. He started training at 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu in Phoenix and received his black belt in 2021 and plans on opening his own school in Denton, Texas in 2024. He's been married for 16 years and has two wonderful kids. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Donald Dalbert. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. You know, it's a, it's a Sunday morning. I'm in, I'm in, I don't know if you knew that, but I'm in Moorhead, Minnesota, and we got, uh, only our second round of snow yesterday, which is for us is weird. Uh, we're right across the river from Fargo, North Dakota, and usually by now we got a couple feet. So it's sure. it's been a nice uh, fall, early winter because <laughs> I don't like snow. <laughs> so it's good. It's cold. Well, we had our we had our um, we had our coldest day of the year so far. It uh, got freezing last night. Trying to stay bundled up today. I know you said you've listened to a couple episodes, so you kind of know where, where we kick things off. I, I want to go back to that very beginning. I want to know you know where that first spark came from, that first interest in martial arts that kind of kicked off your journey. Well, probably like familial. My uncle was the all-Marine Corps, all-services boxing champion at like 145. Oh, wow. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, he was, he was actually supposed to um, go to the Olympics, but it was 1980. So he, uh, he boycotted that, that year. Yep. And uh, he, uh, side note, he he never made the the transition to professional very well because he was, you know, it's it's such a different from you know going to the body to becoming a headhunter, and uh, and you know it, he he ended up taking a lot of damage. Okay. And, uh, and so he, he actually recently passed um, sorry. from complications with pugilistic dementia. But, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I mean, starting it off on the down note, but, uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's where it came from. And then, you know, I, uh, we moved a lot. My parents were always trying to find the best new thing, you know, back then. And then it, but it really started when I was 11 and my friend Matt took me to Munkai Kenpo in Nashua, New Hampshire. And a uh, very traditional martial arts school, you know, a lot of standing in deep horse stances, doing punches and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and yeah, I just loved it. I, that, that's where I got my start. But, you know, I, I actually kept, I mean, I kept with it, uh, not in any sort of like traditional program, but um, I went to high school with two of my still today best friends, uh, twins, actually. And we did a lot of boxing and wrestling and, you know watching UFC and then uh, trying to practice those moves on each other. And, and uh, yeah, so I'm not familiar with Munkai Kempo. Now, how is that? Do you know how that is compared oh, I, to other styles of Kempo or? I honestly have no clue. Okay. I was 11 years old at the time. And um, <laughs> how long did you stick with away. that? Well, we only lived there for a year. Okay. So 
Um, I was only with that for about six months. I think I made it to like orange belt or something. Okay. But, you know, I always had, like, my friends, we were always, you know, boxing in the garage and uh, they had a speed bag that we'd work on or, uh, you know, punches, kicks, takes downs, and then go for the crappiest arm bar you've ever seen in your life, you know, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, uh, I mean, that's really probably where the passion came from was just, you know, living that for so long. Okay. And then when it really started off, my more professional career, if you will, I use quotey fingers for that for sure. <laughs> I started uh, taking Taekwondo um, at this sort of McDojo-y place in, um, in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So we moved to Phoenix by that time. And, um, you know, it, I'd, I'd been there for a while, you know, about a year or so. And, but I was going every day, you know, and so the instructors picked up on that and started using me to teach and help with classes and, and things like that. But it was still the quality was not there. Okay. But they wanted. How old were you at this time? Uh, 17, 18. Okay. About then. Yeah, 17, I'd say. But so I was there for about a year, year two, I guess. And they uh, wanted to, I don't know, give themselves a little more clout, a little more credit, and up the quality a little bit. And so they brought in this guy, someone to help up the quality, you know, a, a master instructor, if you will. And uh, you may have heard of him, Master Francis Kamita. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And from then on, um, we, we became friends. He's one of my best friends to this day. And uh, we're both like groomsmen at each other's wedding. And um, yeah, so between martial arts, video games, computer stuff, he just quit. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's and, a computer uh, guy too. We, we had a nice chat about that when I interviewed him, so... <laughs> Yeah, we had yeah. we had similar childhoods with you know the old school technology. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean same here. Uh, he he's actually the one who taught me to build my first computer. Nice, and which really eventually led to me becoming an IT person. So yeah, I mean I I can't talk about my martial arts journey or even my IT journey without mentioning Francis. So okay, big shout out to him. But yeah, so um, I was trying to get a job there you know i was just teaching for free and then when they brought in master Panita, it was you know that looked less likely and uh so then i joined the military and uh joined the navy i did that for seven years but you know this was late 90s you know martial arts was still very um i don't know secretive or not you know like everybody was trying to be protectionist about their school yeah you know there was a lot of sharing and you know and and so I, I kind of took a break from martial arts oh. for a long time. Okay. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I'd still come back home and, you know, be around everything. So I was actually stationed on the East Coast for the most part. And that's where Master Hita lived. But so while he was in Phoenix, he would fly home for like Christmas and Thanksgiving and, and everything and, um, in, in Washington, D.C. And so we were able to just, I spent a lot of holidays with him when I couldn't get away myself. Okay. And so through that, you know, I, I met Jun Ri many, many times. Nice. And, uh, you know, and then Chun Ri and the, that whole plan. And, you know, I, I've had this really, I don't know, like a really charmed life when it comes to martial arts. <laughs> I've, I've been able to meet so many people and so many famous people and so many great martial artists. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I had, how to transition into this, stuff like that. 
one of my actual favorite stories is that in 2000, we went to the second annual Korean American Taekwondo exchange. Okay. And uh, so we went to uh, Korea with Grandmaster Rhee. Wow. And at the time, they happened to be, uh, there were, there's like a, a Taekwondo, there's a huge Taekwondo park, sort of like a, a mecca of Taekwondo that they were making in Korea. Mm-hmm. And they were sort of lobbying for it and trying to get, you know, funding and that kind of thing. And obviously, Grandmaster Rhee commands, you know, a lot of American dollars, a lot of American clout. And uh, so when we got there, we were treated like royalty. Nice. It was amazing. I mean, I had dinner with Grandmaster Rhee, um, mayors, governors, and some of the best meals I've had in my life <laughs> happened on that trip. That's cool. Yeah. Um, oh, and... Yeah, we actually had several celebrities come with us on that trip, too. Don the Dragon Wilson nice. was there. Uh, Chris Penn was with him. Very cool. And uh, and then uh, Jesse Jackson Jr. And then a former Speaker of the House, Toby Roth. Wow. Yeah, so it was, it was and we're just sort of tagging along. And uh, Francis and I had realized that two of the, so, you know, everything in Korean is sort of communal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when, you, when you talk about eating, you know, the grabbing the, the kimchi bowls or the bean sprouts or you know whatever it's it's all sort of like like four person play set and uh we realized that these two younger girls in their 11 and 12 uh they would only eat rice basically in the entire trip mm-hmm. so we sat them next to us and i think we gained probably 10 pounds a piece <laughs> during that whole trip <laughs> just eating amazing bulgogi and chapte and oh so good. That's cool. So good. Wow. But, that, uh, that, that's fun. I've had many opportunities to go to Korea. I have just, I've never, it's never worked out. So I've never got to go with my instructor. So many times I wish I could have. It just either financially or with my job or, or other stuff in my life. I just, I never got to go. So that's quite an experience that you got to, got to have there. I, I would say do it if you can. It's a, it's a beautiful country. Uh, one of my favorite spots there was uh, Cheju Island island off the southern coast and it's just this green emerald in the middle of the pacific and, and yeah there, there's a, the largest buddhist monastery in all of well at the time in all of asia mm-hmm. and uh, we got to stay the night in there the monks like did a martial arts performance for us and then one of the fastest bow forms i've ever seen this dude was whipping this bow around like like lightning it was amazing had you achieved your black belt at this point uh, maybe <laughs> I don't consider it. <laughs> well, I was teaching, and they gave me a black belt. Mm-hmm. They called it a SWAT belt at okay. the time. It was like you know, and basically I just helped with teaching. Uh, I, I think I would have at the time maybe considered myself like a brown belt at most. Okay, but I've been treading a lot on Master Panina's cred throughout the years. Right, mm-hmm. just you know, you get to hang out with the seven degree black belt, like, you know, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> That's cool. Um, a funny side story. So that summer, that was summer 2000. I went to Korea, hung out with Jesse Jackson Jr. and his wife and his kids and everything like that. And uh, the next summer I was doing a security detail in Puerto Rico. The military had a bombing range on Vieques Island, mm-hmm. Puerto Rico. And they were, there were a lot of protesters there. So I was sent to help like do security and you know all this stuff but but the federal judge who was like in charge of uh, sentencing the trespassers and, and protesters he 
totally revamped the uh, the punishment. So it used to be just like a five hundred dollar fine. Mm-hmm. But people were, if you got your name on this list, these nonprofits would just pay your fine. And so then it became like, okay, first time five hundred, second time ten thousand, third time like three months in jail. Wow. And so we basically got there and we had like two waves of protesters and then everything stopped <laughs> after that. <laughs> but one of the protesters who I detained happened to be uh, Jesse Jackson Jr.'s mom, Jacqueline Brown. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it was <laughs> like, wow, this is a small world. So. Wow. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it is. It, it kind of is. Did you tell her you knew her son? <laughs> No, I didn't want to be, you know, I, I was scared at the time and I was only like a E4, E5. So I didn't, you know, I didn't have that kind, yeah. of, kind of clout. As, you, as you're putting the cuffs on, by the way, I know your son, say hi to him for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably wouldn't have gone over well. <laughs> probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't. And you said you were at Navy for, for seven years. Now, did, was it that long oh, before you really got back into martial arts hardcore then? Um, so I would say that I've, I've always been in it on the periphery, um, mm-hmm. during that time, but it wasn't until, you know, so I got out in 04 and then, you know, got back into school and you know, had a family during that time. And, and, uh, so it, it actually wasn't until 2012 that oh, wow. I really got back into it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm 34 at the time. I just started a job with a, uh, the networking firm and I was doing SQL. I'll get technical into it, but <laughs> <laughs> but what they did is they they uh they blocked all our music access. And you know, we're doing a lot of data entry and a lot of stuff and you just mind numbing work. And they realized, oh yeah, now you can't have any music. Wow. It was, uh, it, was it was a death blow to me. But we had the the, the IT guy the um, for the firm. He and there's a very small firm, so we're all you know we're all friends and everything. And he's like, so hey, they told me to stop streaming music but i'm going to leave podcasts on and um like just be cool don't like overdo it you know but you know and everything will be cool and uh that's when i started listening to the joe rogan experience okay and so you might uh start putting those that spider web together now but Mm -hmm. and uh i listened to the first well 226 episodes (laughs) and you know he had eddie bravo on there and eddie bravo is the uh, the first person to ever tap a Gracie in competition. Yep. And he, you know, and he's Joe Rogan's friend and, and all that, and Joe Rogan's instructor. And so he was on the, the podcast all the time. And, uh, but anyway, so to so start listening, you know, listening to Joe Rogan, um, but they never talked about franchises. And I always thought like, man, I really want to do this Eddie Bravo thing. Like it just seems so cool. The, um, you know, it's, it's flashy, but yet very technical and being from martial arts, I know that it's so much about the instructor, mm-hmm. right? And yes. like, I looked at other jujitsu schools around the Valley, the Phoenix Valley at the, at the time, but as a 34 year old, I really didn't have an interest in putting on pajamas and calling a 26 year old dude master. You know, <laughs> I, I was really looking for more of like a coaching you know, coach athlete kind of ask. Mm-hmm. And then in episode 227 of JRE, they ended it. It was Eddie Bravo was on it and he ended it saying, I'm going to be at 10th Planet Phoenix to do a seminar. And I, <laughs> pardon my French, but I literally like, like shouted in my cubicle, like there's fucking franchises. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, a couple people like looked at me and like weird. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, that was, that was May, 2012. And, um, I was in that night and I never left. Wow. <laughs> Just, yep. So, uh, went to 10th Planet Phoenix that night, by the way, before I get too far, I have to give a shout out to my wife. When your husband comes to you and you have a two-year-old and a six-month-old and says, hey, I would like to leave two nights a week to go do this thing where I play fight club with a bunch of other sweaty dudes. <laughs> she could have said no, and she she didn't. She she was very supportive of it. And I think she knew, she knew I needed some physical outlet. And I wasn't going to get there like running. If you see me running you really better run too because there's only danger behind me. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's what, that's the only time that I'm, I'm, uh, well, at the time was running. So I I actually walked into the gym at almost 300 pounds at the time. Oh, wow. I had been on a night shift prior to getting this job and just the only thing available to you at one in the morning is a baconator from Wendy's, you know, so Mm -hmm. it was not, you know, my, my hormones were messed up, my my triglyceride, like everything. I was just, I was in a bad way. But uh, I walked into that gym and this little 135-pound dude, uh, John Botello, he's, uh, the, he's Eddie Bravo's uh, first affiliate and who was in Phoenix. And um, that night he put me into a crucifix and he was arm barring me with his legs while he was choking me with his arms <laughs> all at the same time. Nice. And I'm like struggling to even tap. Because I don't have hands. <laughs> like, I think one hand's trapped under me, and I, I, I let out this like weak like gurgle. He's like, "Was that a tap?" I'm like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> and after it, he's like, uh, "So, was the arm or the choke?" I'm like, "Can it be both?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I fell in love with that. I mean, I was like, "You got to show me what you did." Like, that's kind of how it's been ever since. Is um, I cool. you know started there. I got to about uh, purple belt. So okay. I've been in for four or five years, I think about, about five years, I think at that time. And then I really started, you know, figuring things out diet wise and, and, um, exercise wise and, and all that kind of thing. So, you know, I was competing, but I just, I couldn't get my head into that. But yeah, so I, I, you know, it, it, it took me a bit, like it, it took me a bit to, to figure it out. But, but once I did, man, it, it's been a game changer having a better diet, being in control of your life. A little bit more let me tell you people treat you considerably differently when you're a big mess versus a fit person yeah and so yeah i i'm one of the best things that jujitsu has done and um you know part of that was like because i needed that that something to motivate me right that's something to drive me right jujitsu was that and so now i do run (laughs) and now i i work out all the time and i'm i'm stair climbers and treadmills and, and all that kind of stuff. I wow. you know, got my kids into it. And, and, and yeah, but I think so many people, you know, need something like, because mm-hmm. just running on a treadmill, going to the gym to do that, just to do it is kind of soul crushing. And uh, so, you know, when somebody out muscles me in an arm bar or something like that, I, I'm like, that's never going to happen again. And I'm in the, the, the gym the next day, you know, doing bicep curls because they extended my arm, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, that's, and that's how, that's how I got in into it. Wow. 
And how long did you get to train at that school? Because I know you, you said you recently moved to, to Texas. So how long did you get to stay at that school? I, I did. Um, well, I let's see. We moved in July of 2021. Okay. So I was there from white to brown and just a couple months before my black belt. Okay. Um, and so when I moved out here, I Penn Planet is one of the biggest affiliations for jujitsu in the world now. Yeah. I think Eddie has something like 180 affiliates now. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's 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 insane. I mean, I started at the first one, <laughs> and now it's there's 180 other ones. But so when I moved to the DFW area, it was really easy. I I found one of my friends now, uh, Chauncey Nusalia. He's the owner of Ten Planet Dallas, and um, been training there ever since. You know, went back in October of 21 for a friend's wedding, and at that time. I got my black belt with two of my other friends, one of whom actually opened Penn Planet Goodyear in Arizona. So, but yeah, so from white to black under 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, and I couldn't be happier about that. So you had, I mentioned in the intro that you're, you're planning on opening your own school now in Denton. What kind of led to that decision? Well, <laughs> so I have to say it's, this is, this is the first public announcement of 10th Planet Denton. It's been very uh, you know, we're, we're building it up, but, um, you know, we've, we've been talking about it. Like my wife and I have been talking about it for a long time. And so our move to Dallas was actually predicated on us wanting a change. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't afford getting a house in Phoenix any longer because things just blew up out there during the pandemic. Yep. There's something like 800 people a, a week moving to the Phoenix area. Wow. And yeah, so housing prices tripled. And so we said, we've been talking about moving for a while, but we're just, you know, we're in the safety zone. We had our parents in Phoenix with us and you know, all that kind of stuff. And we just, we took the leap, you know, got a house out here in, in Denton. And Denton's a uh, college town, kind of north of the DFW area. Okay. DFW has kind of grown up to get it. But, it, you know, it's a college town. There's, there's two universities here. And so I think that that leap, has kind of shown us that, you know, leaps aren't bad sometimes. And, and so, you know, once we got here, we've been talking about, you know, I, I wanted to do this for, for forever. As long as I can remember, I, I wanted to open a martial arts studio. In my own. And then the second thing is in October, I got laid off from my job. Okay. Part of that whole tech industry layoff. And, yep. you know, it, it is what it is. But we said, I think it's time. And it is. So we're working on our lease right now. And, you know, I, and I'm going to get to do what I love on my own. You know, I've been helping people teach for years mm-hmm. and, and I'm totally cool with it. It's, I, I thank them every day for the opportunities that they gave me. But at one time, sometimes you want to move out on your own, you know? Yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're doing, uh, hopefully, hoping February. Okay. Maybe February or March will be opening. That's but, awesome. Wow. But, yeah. I'll have to, I'm, I'm hoping I got a, a good friend in Dallas that I've been meaning to go down and visit for like 10 years and I've never gotten down there. So maybe I'll have a, multiple reasons to go visit Dallas. Now I can pop in and check out your school. Absolutely. Please do. That'd be cool. So you, you mentioned, you know, helping others teach for years. So I want you to think back to that, that very first time teaching when you were with the Taekwondo school to now, what do you think has changed the most about your teaching style over the years? Well, so patience is definitely a big one, you know, uh, understanding 
that other people may not have the goals that I do. You know, my goal is to be the best martial artist I can be. And some people are just looking to, you know, have fun, train, have camaraderie. Yep. So, you know, you need to take that in, into account as well. And actually, most recently, uh, I've been getting into what they're calling it ecological training or eco training. Okay. And it's really more of a gamification of training, right? And so that has definitely changed for me. I mean, so like uh, a typical game may be something like where we have one person on their knees and one person on their butt. The person on their butt has, is, has the butterfly guard in, and we're just going to fight for underhooks for three minutes. If okay. the person on top can get both underhooks and put the person on his back, then they win. If the other person gets a body lock, gets both underhooks and gets their hands together, then they win. Okay. And so we're trying to break, break it down into more basic steps. But instead of giving the people like, okay, first you're going to do A, then you're going to do B, then you're going to do C mm -hmm. with different people and different body types and, and all that kind of stuff that gets ABC may not be the perfect way for them. Right. Right. It may not be the best way. And so by letting them have multitudes of reps on reps on reps of just how do I get to a position of control? How do I get to a position of safety that it, you know, it, it allows us to make, make different neural connections is really what it is. And yeah, so been having, having a really interesting time seeing people progress with this new you know, training method. And I will say, I still do a lot of, you know, okay, we're going to rep this move today, or we're going to you know, go through this sequence or, or whatever. But you know, it's, it's finding a balance between those two styles. So That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I know it's something my instructor started incorporating games like that into our at traditional Taekwondo school years ago. And some of them I enjoy, some of them I don't. But my favorite one, we do one, used to do one with turning sidekicks where we'd lay a, a white belt on the ground and one person would be holding one of the big blue kicking shields with their back foot against the, the white belt. And the other person got five tries with a turning sidekick. If you could kick them over that white belt in five tries, they had to do 10 push-ups. If they prevented you from kicking them over, you had to do 10. And we go back and forth doing that with, you know, different people in class and try to match them up decent size wise and stuff. And I love turning sidekicks. It's so <laughs> sure. one of my favorite sure. yeah, games no. to play in class. And it's, it's, you know, worked on the power, it worked on the technique. I mean, you can see some guys could kick as hard as they wanted, but they weren't doing it properly they're hitting the wrong part of their foot there's no way they're kicking them over so that was a fun right. one right and and i think you you get that immediate feedback yes right too right with those games is that ah oh, that didn't work why didn't that work well that didn't work because he wasn't off balance that yeah. didn't work because he wasn't you know whatever and, and i think that's really important in making those you know those neural connections at that point is uh you know, i've been reading a, a bunch on this and it may not be that the best way to learn is to do the 10,000 reps right in a row, but right. to do a little bit of one thing, do something slightly different, and then come back to that first set. Right. And that, it's a good way to look at it. I again, like that. Yeah, it's, it's it's new to me still. I'm still getting it all down and trying to figure out some games. And, and so sometimes I still revert back to you know, some traditional teaching methods. But yeah. Being that it's an affiliate of ten, now will are you allowed to? I don't know how, how the rules are with with Eddie Bravo, but can you ever like incorporate any of like your Taekwondo stuff in there? Can you work on like kicks and stuff to to blend it a little, or is it going to be strictly jujitsu? Well, I'm going to be doing strictly jujitsu. Okay. Um, I one of my friends who actually owns Ten Planet Fort Worth, forty miles down the street from me, 
he is a 10th planet school, but his focus is mostly on MMA. Okay. Uh, he was an MMA fighter. And so really it's not necessarily an affiliate that we are, we're, it's a, a licensing agreement mm-hmm. that we're doing. And so I mean, you can do what you want with your school as long as you are a black belt in 10th planet jujitsu and, and you can get cool. away with whatever you want. That's good though. Well, as soon as you have a, a link for the school, we have the you know, Facebook link, website, whatever you have to send it to me so I can include it with the podcast. Yeah, I, uh, 100%. Yeah, I, um, the, I, I, we're still working on the lease. And until I have the lease, I can't, yeah. uh, that everything cascades from there. So, but hopefully, hopefully this week, I'm, okay. I'm really hoping. That'll be good. <laughs> Francis uh, mentioned that you got to, that you got to roll with John Jones. Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk a little uh, bit about that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it is. Um, and and uh, I'll say I have been treading on this story for the last seven years because uh, <laughs> it, it, it's probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, there was a, a tournament at a fitness expo, uh, the North American Grappling Association. They had a had a tournament in, and and I love when they have these fitness expo tournaments. Like there's my some of my favorite to go to. Because there's like, you know, they'll, they'll have CrossFit competitions going on and they'll have, you know, boosts with protein powder and pre-workout. And, you know, like right before your match, you can like run down the line and just take shots of, you know, 10 different pre-workouts. And, you know, it's your amped up and ready to go. And uh, so this just so happened is the 2006, November 2006, or 20, or sorry, November 2016. And this was during John Jones' first uh, hiatus for martial arts, if you will. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think this is the time when he began that car accident. It was, I don't know, he was in trouble for some sort of drugs, right? And so he was actually there at the fitness expo, like hawking protein powders and, you know, pre-workouts and, you know, just being a celebrity endorser kind of thing. And I I had, I had two divisions that day. I think, I'm pretty sure I won the absolute division. And I think I was second in the weight class. And so I got, the tournament was actually over and I was, you know, waiting around on all my friends and students and whatever to, to finish up their matches. And we see John Jones like duck into a changing tent at the, the Naga booth. And uh, he comes out, he's got rash guard and shorts on. I'm like, let's go talk to him real quick. So we went up, Hey John, if you're ever in, in Phoenix and you need some of the DC shape to roll with, uh, DC, I met Daniel Cormier, and I kind of stuck the belly out a little bit. You know, Daniel kind of had a little bit of belly back then, and and so I, you know, stuck the belly out and gave it a little Buddha rub, and he loved that. He he like bent over laughing. He's like, I'm gonna roll with that guy. Nice. I was like, What did I do? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it was eye opening. That's for sure. You you wanna you wanna know that you are not the biggest baddest man on the planet, like just go roll with that guy a little bit. You know, I tried my best. Um, I, I did the, the one, the one thing is he did a super duck to try to grab my leg and I saw it coming. So I stepped back, but then he like, like spammed it like a video game <laughs> <laughs> and hit it right again, had my leg up over my head. I was like, well, there's and then, and nothing I can really do. So I, I tried to do like a scissor takedown, like the, the Kane Basame scissor yeah. sweep takedown. And that failed horribly. <laughs> so then I had hold of his hand and I was like, okay, I'm going to just try for a wrist lock. And so I, I you know, bound it up and I was trying to get the, the wrist lock and, and that went horribly too. And, uh, and then he just, he posts out on me, like, uh, you know, he, he puts his hands on me and holds me down like a child. And I'm trying to make contact with him. Like 
put my hands back on him so I can figure out where he's going and whatever. And I can't touch him. <laughs> like I, and I'm not, and then not even like by a little bit, like I can't touch him. Like there's six inches before I can even touch him. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's cool. It ended pretty horribly for me after that. <laughs> uh, I will say uh, I got guillotine to, I don't know, my credit or detriment. I don't know. I had the thought as I'm getting choked out. I was like, you know what? You need to fight through this. And if you go out, whatever, you go out. If you mm-hmm. go out, I guarantee you're getting on Sports Center. Now, I, I having this conversation in my head at, at, at a time. But then I remembered that my wife and kids were attending this uh, this tournament. And this is the first tournament that they, they had actually the first and only tournament that they've ever gone to of mine. Okay. And uh, I was like, oh, if I look like I'm dead on the mat, I think my <laughs> wife might have a heart attack and then I may never be able to do jujitsu. So. <laughs> So I tapped, but could have been on Sports Center. Could have. Dang. <laughs> did, so do you tell John I only tapped because my wife was here? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did not. Okay. No, I did not. <laughs> Probably smart. <laughs> That's definitely an, an experience to to be able to tell people. That's kind of cool. Well, and the you know one of the, the coolest things about jujitsu is that it's a pretty small community, mm-hmm. and I mean it, it's getting bigger, obviously much more. But realistically, you can kind of go to, if you have, you know, a little bit of tops, like, I mean, high level white belt, blue belt, like that kind of thing, you can roll with anybody. Yeah. Uh, you can, and, and I mean, I mean anybody, you know, and over the years, I have gotten to roll with so many UFC fighters and so many high level black belts. And, and just because you're there, you show up to an open mat and, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, I go down to Austin every so often. There's a 10th planet in Austin and the Sunday open map that they have there is amazing <laughs> because Austin has sort of become this Mecca of jujitsu, right? It's, yeah. uh, you know, you got two, three of the best teams in the world are now in Austin, Texas. Wow. And so, you know, I mean, can name names, but like Nikki Ryan, J rod, uh, you know, all kinds of people that show up to this open map and, I, you ask them to roll, and most of the time they won't say no. That's so, cool. I will say, let me sort of backtrack here just a second. Um, one of the really cool things that being in Phoenix and now in Dallas is that when I started jujitsu, you know, there was like the headquarters of all jujitsu. Like, you know, the, again, the I keep saying the term mecca, but is was Southern California. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you go to San Diego and, and you can't throw a rock without hitting a world champion school out there. And so because we we're in such close proximity with Phoenix is I got to see a lot of that growth. You know, I got to see Gio Martinez and Boogie Martinez, you know, from 10th Planet. Like they would come out to Phoenix and, you know, train with us or do tournaments. And, and so, you know, got to be kind of part of that. And then really not on purpose, but when we moved to, to Dallas is now it's the same way because that hub of jujitsu has it's kind of shifted a little bit. Okay. And so it's, it's really amazing. Like, like, like I said, you can just be so close to it, you know, but not like, but still having a little separation from, yeah. you know, those major schools has been pretty cool. So I know you mentioned when you were younger, you and friends, you know, watching UFC and mimicking the moves and stuff. So are you, is that something, are you still a fan of, of uh, like UFC and MMA? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I don't follow it nearly as much anymore. 
because I, I just don't have time. You know, my, my focus, if I'm going to watch sports, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be competitive jujitsu, uh, you know, and especially no gi. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I still follow it. I, you know, if you see, seeing big submissions or, you know, that kind of stuff, I'll, I try to keep my like teaching style a little current. So if there's, you know, a big submission in the UFC or, you know, something that's going viral from jujitsu tournaments, then make sure to, yeah, hey, we're going to work on this a little bit tonight. Just because everybody's seeing, everybody's asking. But yeah, I, I wouldn't, ever since like the, you know, probably the first 10, 12 seasons of The Ultimate Fighter, I was definitely really into it. But after then, you know, jujitsu started taking off. And so there's now enough content that, that I can kind of watch jujitsu forever. Mm-hmm. You spent some time with, with Junior and stuff. And, you know, philosophy was something that he was really big on. And in, in all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy for you that stands out? Well, I mean, the biggest one is, is probably Bruce Lee. Right? The, I, when I was 11, 12, during that, you know, first getting into martial arts, I would definitely go to the library all the time and check out every martial arts book I could, I could think of and or that they had basically. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, the, the basic principle is to try and take what works, discard what doesn't and make it all your own. And I think that's, and that's, that's just life <laughs> in general. It's, yeah. You know, find what works for you and whatever doesn't get rid of it. Like if you don't need that, I won't say, you know, sometimes you need to revisit those sometimes here and there to make mm-hmm. sure you know, it still isn't useful for you. And I definitely made that change over the years is, uh, you know, like I had a very good friend who taught me some pretty cool judo throws back in the day, uh, no-gi judo throws when we first started. And I was like, ah, I'm never going to use that stuff. And <laughs> now uh, I'm using it all the time. Uh, the Uchimata, the Japanese wizards. Uh, and most recently I took a, a seminar from Justin Flores. Okay. And uh, on there's a master class on foot sweep and oh that dude is it's so amazing <laughs> it's just a dance that's all he's doing he's just dancing around you and putting you on your butt and you know don't throw everything away right see, see what's working here and there but but come back to it and then the other part would be i mean you know i, I really do love jewelry for so many years he was he was a great man and you know the like their student creed is knowledge of the mind, honesty and heart, strength of the body. And I think that's, that, that is, you know, you, you need to be well-rounded. Mm-hmm. You can't just be that. I mean, greatness comes from focus for sure, but at the same time, not everybody's going to rise to those levels of greatness. And I think balance works a little bit more for most people than myopic focus does for a rare few. Cool. All right, I have a few fun questions to to wrap it up here. Now, who are sure. three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Well, I, I mean, Bruce Lee, I've got it. I've got to do with that. Junery for me. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's there. Now, when I get into jujitsu, the jujitsu aspect of it, I that's where I get like, I mean, I, I guess the obvious would be like Helio would kind of be up there, but then I want to put Eddie Bravo up there as well. Yeah. So I don't think that is my four. Yeah, it is. That's a solid four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever got to roll with Eddie? I never got to roll with Eddie mainly because until recently I've outweighed him by a significant amount. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and 
that's always a always the big man's uh, dilemma is finding other big dudes that you can comfortably roll with, mm-hmm. or finding uninjured little dudes <laughs> who <laughs> can you know can take the weight of a of a heavyweight. Okay. Know? So um, I haven't rolled with him, but I I mean I have rolled with a lot of really good people. I went to a there's a cybersecurity convention in, in Vegas every year called DEF CON. Oh yeah. And there's this, <laughs> I'm very, yeah. it started as a hacker conference. I'm very aware of it. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um, so there's, there's this guy from Silicon Valley. He's a CEO for some, I can't remember what company it is now, but his name is Jeremiah Grossman. And so he puts on um, a party, a jujitsu party um, in coordination with DEF CON every year. And nice. he calls it the jujitsu smackdown. And he brings in fighters and, and uh, grapplers and from all over. So got to roll with Forrest Griffin, Frank Mir, Mike Pyle. Wow. At that one. Um, you know, and then throughout years, I've um, actually just in March, uh, I had a sabbatical from my job. And I took three weeks to just drive around the country and just go to different jujitsu schools. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I'm trained with Brandon McCaffrey, Ryan Hall, of Neil Fisher. I mean, the list is on Daisy Fresh, the Pedido Fight Systems. So yeah, it's it's a uh, and so that's what I really love about jujitsu too is that while there is sort of protectionism mm-hmm. that you find in a lot of you know martial arts schools, we have this this um, culture, I guess, of open mats, right? And mm-hmm. so almost every school has an open mat. I'll say every legitimate school. I think if you if you not have an open mat and you're not letting people train, cross train, there's probably something you're doing wrong. You shouldn't be scared of that. And so this you know this open mat culture is awesome because you can just kind of walk in to any school and be like, hey, I'm here for a day. Can I train? You know, I'm here. You know, whatever. Can I can I train with you? Can I roll with you guys? And I think I've had one or two schools say no wow. um, throughout the years. I mean, I've been to 22 different 10th planets alone. And so you can travel. And I would feel weird kind of going into like a typical Taekwondo school and just being like, hey, I'm in the town for the day. Can I just train with you guys tonight? You know, like, like that's not as not as part of the culture. I've done that actually many times. <laughs> well, I, I and, and again, that's my personal experience. Yeah. Um, oh, I get it. Know, there, I know um, there's certain ones I just would never ask, even with Taekwondo or like you said, a lot of it depends on the instructor. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so that's, you know, I mean, like I said, rolled with some, some amazing people throughout the years. And uh, that's cool. All right. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? Oh, uh, well, the one I've read the most would probably be the Tao Zhu Kido. Okay. That would probably be up there. I'm sitting here looking at my bookshelf. Uh, you know, Eddie Bravo's Mastering the Rubber Guard, Mastering the Twister. I definitely refer to those often when I'm doing you know, rubber guard lessons and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, those would be up there as well. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts video game? Oh, I mean, all of them. Uh, <laughs> I was really good. I knew at one point in time, I knew like all the moves on Mortal Kombat one. Nice. Like there's a, there's a, uh, oh, like a, like a Chuck E. Cheese or something like, like right down the street from my house. And I'd go over there and pop cores in and, and, that Street Fighter 2 is definitely another one. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, what was it? The Tekken. I love Tekken. So when I was yes. in the Navy. Yeah, yep. when I was in the Navy, Tekken was what, right? Ed, Eddie, Eddie Gordo, the, oh, yeah. the Capoeira guy. Yep. That was my dude back nice. then. Yeah. That's awesome. 
All right. <laughs> How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Oh, TV show. So I, I watched Kung Fu, the first one, like his reruns. Yeah. Like on when I was growing up in Nebraska, right after cartoons on Saturday, they would do Kung Fu. So that was probably very influential. Okay. Um, but not TV show. I don't know. No, I can't. No other TV shows are coming to my mind. Do you watch any of the current ones? You ever watch like you know Into the Badlands or Warrior or Cobra Kai? You know, yes. Now, now that you're saying that, so um, yes, I did. Like, I I watched the first couple seasons of Into the Badlands. I haven't gotten back into that. Um, I definitely like the first couple seasons of Cobra Kai. The uh, I don't know the the martial arts <laughs> and cheese factor has gone down and gone up. Yeah. At, uh, towards the the later seasons. But it's still, you know, it's still fun. It's fun. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Um, well, Karate Kid. Yeah, I definitely. We went to the theater to see Karate Kid back nice. in '84. Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. Okay. I promise I won't do it now, but <laughs> I can, from heart to this day, recite the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song. Really? Yes. That's actually yes, kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, yeah, partners in crime. That mm-hmm. one, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, um, and <laughs> now just bringing that back around is because of Master Bonita, mm-hmm. I've actually got to meet several Ninja Turtles, yep. <laughs> and that's that's pretty awesome, you know. Uh, I, and I interviewed uh, Stephen Ho a couple months ago, yeah, uh, Donatello yep. himself, so <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, Ernie Reyes, oh, um, yeah. was in Phoenix for a little bit, and, yep. and, and, and that's when he introduced us. And that's, I mean, you know, that dude's a martial arts royalty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Well, I mean, my name's Don, so Donatello. I've got <laughs> okay. A, um, got to represent. I a, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had a uh, one company, uh, Nawaza, that makes rash guards and stuff, and they, they made a turtle guard rash guard. Nice. And so I have that, the purple belt one, and I kept it even into my brown belt. Because I was like, well, I can get away with it. It's purple. I'm Don, Donatello, you know. But once I got a black belt, I'm like, I should probably stop wearing purple rash guards. <laughs> Why? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> well, being, you know, I, I end up being the instructor or, you know, the, the top guy rolling. And so yeah. I just want to put out that I'm, I'm a black belt. I'm a black belt here to teach so that people aren't thinking of, you know, their classes are being taught by underbelts or stuff. I think there's a lot of value in black belts teaching most of the classes. I, I get that. I know there was a, a friend I knew that uh, he was a Kempo guy in California. I think he actually, he actually might be in Texas or Arizona now, but he, uh, he was, he was fifth degree black belt and he was known for wearing a pink gi when he went to tournaments <laughs> and he, people gave him crap and he always won. <laughs> so it was kind of cool. Well, I mean, that's a, with, you know, with the whole 10th planet, you know, we've, we've brought in, we've taken, we've like taken the wind out of the sails of some of these overinflated uh, martial arts guys, mm-hmm. or, uh, especially jujitsu guys. It's, you know, like there's so many that, oh, you've got to wear this gi and you got to, you know, do this and you can only wear this. And, and meanwhile, we have the loudest, you know, craziest psychedelic rash guards and shorts. And, and, but then we're beating everybody, you know? <laughs> We we just went. I'd, I've been looking at their. Uh, I, I'm in a, a chat with most of the, the heads of various tenth planets mm-hmm. and uh, the Nogi Worlds. IBJJF Nogi Worlds is going on right now, and we have brought home so many medals, so many first places, and 
you know, there, there's a little bit of a, a fight that's been going on between Tenth Planet and IBJJF for the last decade because they're very stuffy and very, you know, I don't know, want to stay formal. And we're coming in and just knocking all that over. And even with some of the rules that they put against us and, and, and that kind of thing, we're still like, no, you're not going to get rid of us. So, nice. uh, yeah. That's good, though. All right, I have final martial arts type question. This one doesn't have to be sure. a martial arts movie, just a favorite movie fight scene. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that first scene in The Matrix. Yep. Uh, I went to that opening night in Norfolk, Virginia, and um, we went to like the midnight showing. And, you know, we didn't really know what was going on with that movie. Like, it was very kind of like, they didn't want to give away the plot, you yeah. know, during the trailer. So it was just very, but when uh carrie ann moss does that whole i mean the jumping crane kick or whatever you would call it and they do the 360 rounder like the whole theater just <laughs> erupted in the gas and so that's yeah and i mean any i guess anything john reads yeah. anymore within the last decade or two all the john wick movies matrixes like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are my top for sure. Okay, cool. Well, be, before I let you go, anything that I, I forgot to ask you, forgot to bring up that we want to be sure to get out there. You know, the, I mean, the biggest thing right now is that I'm, we'll be open to 10th planet then within, or hopefully by Q1 of, of 2024. It's in the process. I'm so excited. Things have, have really fallen in places last week. And, that is awesome. Uh, our landlord is actually really hooking us up because he doesn't want to see a title loans or a check cashing store going to this spot. So, okay. So, so yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a big, big guy on the community. And so we've you know, had a talk on what I want to do and how I want to help the community and, and bring jujitsu to a bunch of angry young people to get, get that monkey brain working, you know? Mm -hmm. So Congrats and Thank good you. luck. And like I said, as soon as you got a link, send it my way and I'll, I'll add I it to the, to the podcast release. But I, I, I truly appreciate your time. This has been a blast. I'm, I'm glad uh, Francis connected us. Yeah, me too. This, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.